So at this time, family, it's my privilege to um, call forward my good friend, uh, Robert Wilson, uh, who's going to be sharing the word with us this morning. For those of you um, who are familiar with Robert, he's spoken um, once or twice before at the church, and it's been awesome. And he's been such a blessing to really our community as a church, but beyond us, really the community around uh, even beyond Aquidneck Island, but all of Rhode Island, we know he has um, a strong and healthy uh, counseling agency that he's doing just a killer job and we're grateful for the work the Lord has entrusted to you and thank you for um, blessing my family in that way um, and for here now offering the word of the Lord to us today. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. And Ed has been a great blessing to me too. Yes. Thank you. <clears throat> so wanted to talk about trials today, <clears throat> why they come what we do with them, how they work, and what God is actually trying to do uh, through these trials. And I call a trial for a Christian the perfect storm. Let me uh, read from uh, Romans eight twenty eight, <clears throat> And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. <clears throat> so he says, and we know, what can we take from this promise? I mean, that's a, a, a humongous statement, right? That all things, right, work together for all people that love God who are called according to his purpose because everybody has different kinds of trials. So how do we know that this is something that we can bank on? The first thing is this, see that, and we know. The first thing is definite, look at that, and we know. That knowing is a, actual, a term of, of, in the original language, it's a term of inter intimacy, it means knowing someone on an intimate level, where you can say about certain people that you know, no, he would never do that, no, never. That would never, ever happen. I know this guy, right? That's it with God as well, is that knowing. And here's where it's important. That knowing should be taken into a trial. It should be taken into a trial. This will make the trial more of the perfect storm. So it shouldn't be, well, when I come out of it, then I'll know. When I go into it, I'll know. That's it. It's when I go into it, it will soften the impact of the trial and give you understanding when you know that this is something that's definite, right? Because sometimes we go into trials, we go into problems, and we get overwhelmed, right? We get overwhelmed. When is this going to stop? Wow. Oh, just overwhelmed. I mean, imagine Job. He must have been overwhelmed, right? He needed to have something to hold on to. You know, any time that God is going to bring a Christian into a major trial, there'll be something he gives you. There'll be, there'll be something to hold on to, a word to hold on to. Remember Joseph? You know, he was going to bow. To, he was gonna, his uh, brothers were going to bow down and worship him. He needed a word. Everybody gets a word from God 
that you can actually hold on to. You know, a word that he gives you. But God doesn't want you to doubt in the darkness where he's shown you in the light. Right? He does not want you to doubt in the darkness where he's shown you in the light. And that word, in the light, may not mean anything. It's only when you get into the darkness that you can actually see it. Really? Only when you get into the darkness that you can actually see it. It's kind of like the stars. You know, when we were kids, oh, the stars come out at night. No, they don't. They're always there. It's just that we can see them at night. Right? So it's just like the promises of God. Right? When you know, when you know God, oh, no, this is for my good. Because, come on, let's face it. A lot of times, it's bad. Right? But this is for my good. So, I don't know if my testimony is... Um, Coming to the Lord, I cut my wrists. I was working. I was a trader. I would trade um, um, the futures markets. In fact, my good friend is uh, here. She used to work for me for a time back then. God took me off of my perch as a trader, took me all the way down where I was just a kind of a sniveling fool that cut his wrists and was in and out of Butler the way that, you know, traffic goes in and out of Penn Station. And I cut my wrist so deep, I destroyed the sensitivity, the, the nerves in my hand. You could have stopped a cigarette out on my hand and I would not have felt anything. Would not, that went on for a long time. Then, seven years ago, I had stage four cancer. And it didn't get to stage four. When they found it, it was stage four. When they found it, and I, my voice, my voice was, my friend is here, you couldn't, it wasn't like this. It was not like this. It was very low. People couldn't really hear me on the phone. I could not have done this. I could not be speaking now, could not be counseling people now, could not be preaching no, it was my voice. But in all that, it's a definite that God works it together for good. It is a definite in all of that. And it looked ugly at times. My mother was crying. The son in Butler, I was, I was one of those guys that had drool coming down my face. And I needed someone to actually wipe it off. That's how bad I was. So I've gone from... This trader who's doing complicated strategies in the fi- uh, financial market to a guy who's coloring up Butler. Right? So, even in this, even in this, God worked it together for God. And people are looking at me, oh, it's over for a Robert. My friend will tell me, she's, I've known her 26 years. Oh, it's over. It, Robert's done. Take him to the scrap heap. So I say this because regardless of how bad it looks, right, it is definite that it's going to work together for good. That, from that, God took me out of finance now into a counseling ministry. God took me from being a patient at Butler to working at Butler. God, yes, God took me 
from my doctor, who's my psychiatrist now. He's not my psychiatrist anymore. He's a colleague. He's a colleague. It, it is definite that this works together for good. And why? Why is it definite? Because it's deliberate. God, he says, God is the cause of all of these things working together for good. God does not play casino with anybody's life. He does not. He does not. It's not a gamble. It's a definite thing. And you know something? I needed that mental illness at that time. I needed cancer. You may not need that. You may need a financial problem. You may need relationship problems. Because here's the thing. God sets up the scenario that you need. It's not an accident. Nobody just falls into something. No coincidences with God. He deliberately sets it up. And he wants you to know he's deliberately setting it up. So God, God is like a tailor. Like you go and you get a made to measure suit. How they measure you up. God measures your character up and determines what you need. And then he sets the scenario up to be able to now give you what you need. What do you think it says? Consider it all joy. When you fall into various trials and tribulations. The first time I heard this, I was, am I still crazy? How can you consider this all joy? No, it's not crazy. It's the reality of uh, God's plan working in you. And part of the big picture, he wants you to actually embrace. Yeah. So I don't drink coffee. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it's what? Oh, oh, yeah. I remember when I preached that so what message and I was drinking water. I got to have a drink of water. So what, right? Remember that? But, but so God del is deliberately doing this. It's almost, God is like a conductor, like he conducts uh, the, like a conductor conducts an orchestra. God is conducting the events of our life. People get afraid because, wow, I can't contain this. This has gone beyond my control. Like a stage four cancer, right? It's gone my, beyond my control. There's somebody losing their job, right? Um, relationship problems. I counsel people. In fact, I got a call from a pastor several weeks ago. Robert, can you see this person? It's a major crisis. And it was almost going to be a divorce case. I mean, it was ugly. And God put it back together again. <clears throat> but the thing is, is that God knows what everybody needs. He knows what everybody actually needs in every situation. So you can consider it all joy. So the only reason why people don't consider it all joy is that they don't trust that God has got it. They don't trust. So even if you can't contain it, and neither one of these two people could contain it, God has still got it under control. Even everything that happened to Job, he still had control of everything. Right? Still had control of everything. So God deliberately moves events in our lives, right, to, in order to bring about 
a purpose. And when you truly, truly know that, not that you be going looking for trouble, you don't need to go looking for it anyway, it always knows where you are, right? So, but not that you go looking for, but when it comes, when it comes, right, you'll embrace it. We try to evade problems, right? We try to evade these things. There's people who've had cancer two or three different times. I've only had it once. I embraced it by the grace of God. That will be, but if it comes again, there's something else that God wants to do. I understand that. I will embrace it. Wow, God, what you're trying to do with me uh, right now. So every problem or issue is from God and he's deliberately working it so it enables you to be better than what you are. So we have to embrace that, right? I mean, Paul even says, we don't look at the things that we do see, which are temporary. We look at the things that we don't see, which are eternal. And then the third thing uh, that we can take with this promise is that it's dependent. So you can say to me now, Robert, you just said it's definite. It's deliberate, but it's dependent. Well, I'll tell you what it's dependent on. It's dependent on loving God and being called according to his purpose. For the people that love God and who are called according to his purpose, it is definite and it is deliberate. I can't just go out onto the street and say all things work together for good. If that person doesn't love God and is not called according to his purpose, that would be a blatant lie. God is putting this in because it's not axiomatic. It's not something for everyone. It's restrictive, right? Just like you got to, if, if this was in a contract, it would be the fine print that you got to read, right? Really? So it's not for everyone. Not everyone can, can actually uh, take this. Not everyone uh, is able to take this to the bank. Not everyone is able to stand on this because it's for those who are called according to God's purpose. All right, so it's dependent upon that, being called according to God's purpose. And I want to see what, um, what the purpose is. Look at uh, God's purpose. So you can, you can never read all things work together for good without this purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these who he justified, he also glorified. God's purpose in all of our lives is making each one of us like Jesus. That is the purpose. What happened at the fall? At the fall of mankind, the image of God was destroyed. So God authored history now to use history and all of the events in it, right, to now restore that image of God. We are only here because God is restoring the image. History, what we're living in right now, even though it seems sinful, is God's mercy. God is keeping it open as long as possible to get as many people that will love him who are called according to his purpose. 
We have to understand God's big picture. What is God doing now? Okay, he created Satan. Satan rebelled, right? He created mankind lower than the angels. Satan was God's highest creation because he wanted to show to the angels what God could do through a lesser creation, right, that was obedient to him than totally defeat this higher creation that was disobedient to him. This is it. This is the plan. When we say that we're in a spiritual battle, that is a spiritual battle. And what is, the, what is Satan trying to do? Destroy our life so the promises of God will not be fulfilled. Right? Why almost right from the beginning, as Israel had problems? Because Satan is trying to destroy the Jews because the Jews, the promises of God were going to be fulfilled in the Jews. There's still promises to be fulfilled. So I'm going to say this as much as people want to destroy the Jew. The Jew is indestructible. I'm telling you, indestructible. It does really. Because of God's promise. Because of God, they cannot be destroyed. But that's what Satan is trying to do. We need to see the big picture, right, of trials. And that's what we need to embrace. That there's a big plan here, a cosmic plan there's something at the end of this plan. I mean, how many times do we ever think about eternity? We don't. We don't. We think about retirement, and we may not make it to retirement. You're definitely going to, if you're a Christian, you're definitely going to make it to eternity. Eternity is more sure than your retirement. Eternity is more sure than your vacation to Florida or wherever. You're going, eternity is more sure than anything in your life. And God is preparing us for that. See, understand the purpose. This purpose is humongous. It transcends this world that we're in. It's what's called in theology eschatological, meaning it's something that now continues, goes into the last days. So what God is saying is that what happens to it, or the things that work together for good, they don't just work together for good here, they work together for good for eternity. This is a t an eternal plan. And if we understood it, we would embrace God. If we understood his purpose and his plan, we'd grab a hold of what he is trying to do. In fact, we'd be asking for problems. In fact, we'd be asking this, God, show me what you want to do through this problem. Show me, Lord God, what you want me to be when I come out of this. As I said in James, consider all joy. Right? Paul says that these light afflictions are not to be compared with the eternal weight of glory. Right? They are light. Cancer is nothing compared to the eternal weight of glory. Financial problems are nothing compared to the eternal weight of, of glory. Losing one's mind is nothing compared to the eternal weight of glory. Anything that anybody is going through right now is nothing compared to the eternal weight of glory. It is nothing. We have to look at trials in a different way. Trials are not here to destroy us. Trials are actually here to create us. 
or recreate us into the image of God. The Bible says that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Right? So how much more us? And this is why it's a perfect storm for the Christian. It's a perfect storm for the Christian. And we should not only embrace it, but we should also show unbelievers you know, the, the glory of going through a trial, the attitude that we have of going through a trial, the purpose that God has in a trial, because many people... Now, they think a trial has come to destroy them. It's, it has not. It's come to do work something in them. But as long as you are called according to God's purpose. So, this is the purpose of trials. I don't want to uh, um, take too much of your time. So, uh, I'm going to say uh, thank you for listening. Thank you. And uh, I just want to say a, a, a prayer. Father, I just thank you, Lord God. I pray that you would make this real to everybody's heart, Lord God. I pray, Father, Lord God, that we would be able to embrace all of our problems, Lord, in Jesus' names. Amen. Thank you, Robert, so much. So, family, as the uh, worship team leads us uh, in, in a closing song here, um, what we're going to actually do is take a moment to share in communion together. And so we know that the Lord told us, he instructed us um, to continue to do this, to partake the juice and the bread in remembrance of him. And in this way, we proclaim the Lord's death and resurrection until he returns to us. So really, this is our way of identifying ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ in his death and in his resurrection. And so today my challenge is this. As we take this, take this in this mindset, take this as, as we are accepting the blood of Christ covering us, as we are accepting his broken body and taking that in, we are accepting his sacrifice and his lordship over our lives, and we are accepting Ready? The blessing of the trials that come our way. So today, Father, thank you so much for giving us your son. Thank you so much for parting with him when he died on the cross. You allowed that break in the perfect trinity so that he could bear our sins. Thank you, Jesus, for your willingness to take our sins upon yourself and allow your oneness with the Father to be broken so we can be invited into that. Thank you for restoring us and restoring all things. And this morning, as we partake of the juice and the bread together, God, this is our act, again, of recommitting ourselves to you and accepting your forgiveness, your love, your salvation, and your plan to work all things for the good of us who love you and we're called according to your purpose. We trust you even through the hardship. And our lips will say, thank you, Jesus, for the goodness of the trials and the challenges that come because you're creating in us a more clear image of who you truly are. And that's all that we could ever ask or hope for, the fullness of who you are. Thank you, Jesus.